folks around the world, uh, especially in New Zealand. Um, and so I just I just wanted to start off with a prayer because I feel like that's what I need, and I just and I just want to connect with God right now. So let's go to God in prayer. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for your Spirit. Thank you for the the uh, gift that you've given us in Jesus. Thank you for um, allowing us to uh, connect with you every day through prayer. God, but I, I just pray this with a heavy heart, God. I just pray that we could be with uh, just people around the world that are, that are suffering, God, that are, that are going through a terrible time, a tragedy right now, God. Um, and that, that could be here in the U.S., that could be you know, around the world, God, but I just pray that you could be with us this morning. As we connect with your scriptures, be with me as I try and uh, speak your word, God. Please fill me with your spirit. Allow your word to be present. Allow your word to shine through and for us to be able to be transformed because of it. Uh, I love you so much. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 All right. So um, we're going to be talking about being transformed this morning. Being transformed by the Holy Spirit. Being transformed by God's word being transformed through prayer, just every aspect of our life can be transformed. Because God doesn't want just a little bit of a transformation. You know, he, doesn't, he doesn't want just a small, tiny dose of transformation in our lives throughout, you know, or he doesn't want just one big moment and that's it. You know, he wants us to be continually transformed. He wants us to continue to show our love for him through our actions, through our lives, through our inter you know, interactions with one another. And, you know, because that's what really makes a difference, right? When we're, when we're transformed, there is an emotional connection. There's a, big, there's a big event that happens, and it makes a lasting impact. You know, no one, no one gets crazy excited because they get a new toaster or something like that. You know, no one, no one is just like, oh, my, no one loses. I mean, I mean, those four slot ones are pretty nice, though. I, I mean, I, I'm not trying to hate on toasters here, but I, I haven't seen anybody just like, shed tears over a toaster or, you know, a new, I don't know. I, I, but, you know, I, I do think of one example of just, you know, what it looks like to get either something new or something to completely change in their lives. And so uh, we're going to play the clip now. Transformations in life that like everybody remembers that not just because Oprah was freaking out like pointing at people aggressively like you get a car and you get a car and you get a car you know she was just going nuts everybody gets a car but we remember it because it's a big I mean it's just an, a crazy act of kindness and a crazy just uh, outpouring of someone to help people out that's why we remember it 
And so, do you remember your big transformation in your life? Does it resonate when you transformed, became a new person in Christ? Do you remember that day? Do you remember what it was like? Do you remember the effect that it had on you as you continued to transform? Because that's what it should be like. It should be like this event. That, oh, I got a new car. Great. But it's something better than a new car. So um, let's, look what it, let's see what it looks like in the scriptures. Let's turn over to Acts chapter 2, verses 38 through 39. Um, it's one of the scriptures we're really familiar with. But this is after Peter had just finished speaking to um, uh, thousands of people on the day of Pentecost, explaining to them that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the Christ, and we crucified him. People were cut to the heart, and therefore Peter replied to them after they asked, what should we do? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So we see here, it's a, you know, Clint talked about this last week, repent. And so I'm here to talk about the next thing, be baptized. And, you know, baptism is something that is transformational. You go down into the waters of baptism, your sins are forgiven, you come up a new person. But there's one thing that allows us to continually change. And it's not, and it's not us getting dunked. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit is what enters us. It's what, it's, what, it's what God graciously allows us to experience so that we can have a continual cleansing of our hearts as we go out through our lives. You see in the Bible, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, when people do miraculous things for God, it's normally accompanied by a phrase, full of the Holy Spirit. You see this, you see this when, when, you know, an example like Samson, when he just kills a whole bunch of Philistines. It says, Samson, full of the Holy Spirit, rips the jawbone of a donkey out and starts just ending fools. And so, but, but you see this in the New Testament as well when people do miraculous signs. Stephen, we're going to look at him in a minute, full of the Holy Spirit, he begins to speak. And they said he had a face like an angel. There's, that's a transformation that goes on. You know, we see it in Matthew and Mark in the story of the transfiguration of Jesus transforming in front of Peter, James, and John. And they're just like, what are we, what, what are we supposed to do? This is crazy. There's Moses. There's Abraham. What? Like, what are we, should I just build a tent? We, we should start sacrificing something. This is insane. Transformation is a big time event. And, and that's, what, that's what baptism and the, and the gift of the Holy Spirit allow us to do. But how do we transform? How, how, do we, how do we continue not just to make it a one-time event in our lives, but a continual transformation throughout our whole life? Well, let's go to Titus chapter 2. And in Titus chapter 2, starting in verse 11, it says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great god and savior jesus christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all eager to do what is good 
And there's two aspects to this transformation in this scripture that, that the grace of God, the Holy Spirit, allows us to do. One, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness, to worldly passions. And then two, it allows us to be eager to do what is good. Because sometimes I think we focus on one or more things. But with transformation, there's more than meets the eye. And so when, when we're saying no, all, if all we're doing is saying no to worldly passions and, and desires and trying to push things away and say no, 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 it kind of creates a weird association with our relationship with God that we're going to wake up and we're going to say, no, we're going to, we're going to reject things and we're going to, you know, grit our teeth and, and white knuckle through this life. And no, 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 I don't want to do this. I shouldn't do that. I'm not allowed to do that. It's a, yes, you should be doing the, you shouldn't be doing those things. But if that's all we're focused on, it's this weird relationship where God is, is limiting us and pushing us down and keeping us in line. But what else does it say at the end of Titus 2 in this, in this passage that he, he's purifying his people? He's purifying himself for people that are, his, that, are, that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So not only are we waking up in the morning and facing our day and saying, okay, I've got I to be on my toes because Satan is trying to get me. But we also have to be, but what good can I do? How can I be better than the person I was yesterday? Not better than the person that I sit next to in church. Not the not the person. Not better than the person that at, that at work is is you know just above me in the food chain, however you want to call it. But how how am I doing compared to myself yesterday? Am I a better person? Am I transforming? Am I continually to be eager to do what is good? Am I reflecting the image of God? Because that's what the Spirit allows us to do. When we have the Spirit inside of us, it allows us to imitate Christ in his most pure form as someone who woke up every day, connected with God, served people, loved them, and worked to rid sin from the world. And so I wanted to give you guys another scripture that kind of illustrates that, and that's going to be in 2 Corinthians 3. And in 2 Corinthians 3, this, this whole chapter is talking about Old Covenant versus New Covenant. You know, the Old Covenant was the law, and we had to follow all the rules. We had to sacrifice things accordingly. And it was a law that brought condemnation, and it was brought judgment. It explained God's will for his people. But the New Covenant is something amazing. The New Covenant is like unveiling God's glory for people. And so in, God, in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, it says, And we all... And we all who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory. And we are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. The spirit is the key here. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, transformation is not going to happen in your life the way that God designs it in the Bible. It is something that, that allows us to see God's will in each and every, in each and in each of our lives. I know for me, the Spirit has just been leading me to new places. You know, God God has um, continued to show His His will for my life, um, and it's been at every tra at every transition point in my life, I've seen God make it abundantly clear where I should go, what I should do, who I should reach out to, 
how should I act? And it's, and it's something that I, you know, I, I don't know how it works sometimes, or I don't know why I deserve that clarity or that, or, or the mission focus, but, but it's something that, that God is continuing to show me to trust in because it's never been, it's never something that has let me down. And so when I think of reflection, this, this, this says that we reflect God's glory through the spirit. You know, I, I think of a time when I was a kid, you know, having a mirror and reflecting the sunlight onto like a piece of wood and it catching fire, you know, because I'm, I'm I was a child. You know, I wanted to see things catch on fire. I wanted to see things burn. I was just so about that stuff. You know, he, amen, amen. Yeah, that's right. And, and it was just great. And so, you know, I, I, was, I was looking up these, like, videos of people using mirrors to catch stuff on fire because it was kind of cool. And something that I, uh, that I found, which was, uh, which was surprising, was in, um, in, in the Greek and Roman times, there was this guy, Archimedes, and he had this thing called the death ray. Um, and so this is a giant child using a mirror to try and catch enemy ships on fire. So, he, And this is a legend. Who knows if it's true? I would love to believe that this is true, that this man was sitting with this giant mirror, like directing it with the sun as enemy ships were passing by and like catching them on fire, or at least making the sailors really uncomfortably hot and sweaty. Um, because what, what, how does this work? Well, you have the light coming from the sun hitting a reflective thing and shining to a focal point. You know, and, the, and the, the finer the focal point, the more focused the point is, the more chance you have to catch something on fire. And so what you're doing is taking the power of the sun and reflecting it towards something else and allowing the power of the sun to be transported into something else. And so if you think about it this way, God is, God is the, the sun, and he is, you know, and we're the mirror, and we're reflecting ourselves with a focus point at someone else, hoping that it's going to catch, ignite, hoping it's going to ignite something in their soul, hoping it's going to happen, hoping they're going to see God's glory, because that's what 2 Corinthians 3 is talking about. We're reflecting that glory. But if we're not focused... If we're not trying to hone in that image of God, if we're just grasping for things like just theology, being smart or having every answer, or, or if we're just trying to make sure no one is, no one is hurt or no one's offended or I don't, want, I don't want to offend anybody, I want everyone to be my friend, the focus is not going to be, is not going to be fine enough. We're not going to ignite anything. We're probably just going to make people sweaty. Um, but we want that focus to be, we want it to be on point. And how do you do that? Well, you continue to see what God's glory is. You continue to connect with God's glory through the word. You continue to say that, no, I have the spirit. I was designed for something more. And I wanted to give two examples in the book of Acts. One of someone who was not, not focused on the right things and one who was definitely focused on the right things. So let's go ahead and turn over to Acts chapter 8. It's story time again. We're going to talk about Simon the sorcerer. And so Simon the sorcerer, you know, the scriptures give us a background on this guy uh, in Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 9. 
He sa- it says that there was a man named Simon who practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. Which that's kind of cool if you think about it. You, you're that good at sorcery that people kind of think you're the, you, you've got some power of God in you. Um, that's, not a, that's, that's not a small thing. And so he had a following of people, you know, as magicians do. You know, they, trick, they, they, do, their, they do their act. People are convinced that they have power and they want to follow him. So, you know, I'm thinking this guy's motivated by money, motivated by influence, motivated by power. And so when he comes into contact with God, let's see what happens. So in verse 11, they followed him, the people, because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. So he was baptized. You know, Simon the sorcerer was baptized. He believed. He believed Jesus. He believed the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. He was baptized. So, bam, he should be done. He's transformed. He's a new creation. Wahoo. You know, congratulations. Praise the Lord. Um, but something, but something wasn't, wasn't right. You know, and so Philip had called uh, Paul, you know, to come and lay hands on this guy so that he could receive the Holy Spirit. And so in verse 18, it says, when Simon saw that the Holy Spirit was given at the laying on the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, may your money perish with you. Because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. So there's still a soft heart there, but... His focus was off. His focus was, I can still get the things that I want with the money that I have and the influence that I've earned and the power that I've shown. I can still use that for my advantage. But as we see here, Peter was not having any of it. You know, God was definitely telling him, no, this guy, this guy is not focused on the right things. He was focused on money. He was focused on power, focused on influence, what he could do with his newfound power, like and I'm sure it was, he was seeing this as like, wow, this is true power. I've got to be in on this. And so what are, what are some things in the, that get in the way for you that allow you not to focus on the things that God is trying to get you to do? Is it your job? Does your job kind of get in the way of you focusing on God with 100%? I'm not saying just quit. But there's got to be a way for you to be able to be 100% focused on God while you do your work. While you're, and it's so that it's not completely stealing your focus away. Um, you know, is it, is it money? 
you know, oh, I don't have enough. I need more. I need to focus on the end. I need, you know, I need to retire by this age. I need to, I need to pay off my debt from college by this time. Like, I need to get more money so that I can be secure. Because that's sort of what Simon was focusing on with the, with the money stuff. He was just like, no, I can buy things that I want with money, so I need to have more of it. You know, and it's given me all these people to follow me and, and allow me to influence them. I need more of that. Maybe I could just give these guys money and they'll give me the Holy Spirit. That's going to be cool. I want to do that. But that's not what the point of, of the gift that God is giving us that allows us to transform. There's no transformation here from Simon. He was the person, he was the same person that he was before he got baptized and after he got baptized. There was no transformation that occurred. And, and what I see, but, I, but immediately my question is, but then, you know, he got, but he got baptized. Isn't that the point? Isn't that what we're, what we're on earth trying to convince people to do is get baptized, is get into the water? And no, yes, we are. You know, that's why we're going through these steps. That's why we're going through the, the, you know, the steps of the plan of salvation. But if all we're, all we're thinking about is, oh, we just need to get them in the water and then they'll be transformed, they'll be good. We're, 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 we're training them to be Simon the Sorcerer. We're, 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 we're leading them to the waters of baptism for them, for them just to be like, okay, well, I bet you got the spirit now, so you're good, right? No, there's, a, there's another step there. We, we shouldn't be looking for baptism. We should be looking for transformation. We should be looking for big life changes, something the mind shifts, like what, you know, what Clint was talking about last week, repentance. Those should be the things we're keying in on. It's like, okay, yes, there's the spirit working. There's, there's the Holy Spirit in, in play because that's what they're gaining in baptism. It's not the, I mean, yes, it is the act of dunking, but it's not. It, it, it's what they receive at that point when they go underwater. It's they're being buried with their sins. They're being risen back to life, and they're gaining the Holy Spirit, which continues to cleanse them and transform them for the rest of their life. And so, you know, we shouldn't be expecting right when they get baptized, okay, you're all good now. Good job. Yay, we did it. A mission accomplished. It should be, okay, now let's get to work. Let's transform. Let's continue to work. Let's continue to be inspired. Let's look at the scriptures and see what we do from here. Because guys, if you think about it, at the point of your baptism, do you still have to repent? Do you still have to learn? Do you still have to grow? Because think, okay, yes, of course. Because I mean, I just think about myself. I was baptized at 16. If I stopped growing and learning and maturing at 16, something's off there. Like, I would just be a man baby, like, all the time. Like, I would just be a giant child. You know, I can't, I'm thinking about 16. I'm like, man, I was barely driving at that point. Like, I didn't even know how to write a check. Like, I mean, I was, I was completely naive, completely immature. You know, yes, I made the decision to follow God, and I'm grateful for that. But, man, I had, I had so much work to do. I still got so much work to do. You know, I figured out how to dress myself on my own. But, but, but no, there's still so much maturing to go on that if we expect, okay, once they get baptized, whew, we're good. Then we are, we, are ex- we are so missing out the point of having the Holy Spirit. And it's exactly like what, what Peter said to Simon the sorcerer. 
you have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. That's the response to when your heart, to when you are focused on the wrong things in your walk with God. You have no part or share in this ministry. And so here's a bad example, you know, Simon the sorcerer. And I wanted to give you guys another good, a good example, someone who was transformed, someone who was given a task and he exceeded those expectations. So let's turn back a few chapters in Acts to Acts chapter six. We're going to look at my man, Stephen. And so here in Acts chapter six, we get this kind of problem that arises where there's widows that are not being taken care of um, because they're not Hebrew widows. They're the, uh, they're the Greek widows. And so um, they weren't getting taken care of because of, I, I think, cultural uh, problems, pro- you know, uh, something like racism. And so people were, people were trying to figure out, okay, do, we, do the apostles take care of this or do we give this task to someone else? And they decided we need to give this task to someone else because the apostles need to be focused on the right things. So let's give these, this, this a task to a group of people. And one of the people that they chose in verse 5 was Stephen, who gets, you know, this cool little, little title, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. You know, poor Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas. It's like, geez, Stephen get this nice distinction, like full of faith and Holy Spirit. These other guys, they're just doing their job right, I guess. I don't know. But Stephen gets, gets you know, he, he gets this task, full of faith, and, he, and they call him full of faith in the Holy Spirit. And so think about this. Okay, you're, if you're given a task, whether it's, you know, up here singing, back in the booth working on AV, setting up the chairs, passing, what, whatever your task might be, you know, yes, I want you to be focused on that task. I want you to do good. I want you to make, do it like this, though you're serving God. And I want God to be pleased with the efforts that you're given. But Stephen, he did his job, but he kind of did a little bit more. And so in verse eight, it says, now Stephen, a man full of grace and power, once again, cool little title there, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition rose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the province of Sicilia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. You know, Stephen was a man that was, that was in love with the Scriptures. He had so much knowledge of the Scriptures. You know, Stephen... Um, it, I, I'm not sure if he actually knew Jesus. I'm not sure if he actually walked with Jesus, but the dude, the dude transformed once, once he was given this title or once he was given this job. He, he took it on and said, like, I'm going to do my job, but I've also got this, this job that everyone else should be doing as well, which is going out and saving souls, refuting, refuting false doctrine, and serving God with all their heart. And so that's what he did. He didn't say, oh, but I've got to take care of the widows first. Like, I'll get, to the, I'll get to the synagogues later, but I got to take care of the widows first. No, he had a job that he wanted to, that he was given, but he had a job that he was passionate about as well. And so Stephen starts speaking all this stuff and people get really angry with him. But, but Stephen's influence or Stephen's heart, Stephen's, the spirit was leading Stephen to, to say, no, I'm, I'm going to stand up against this stuff. Even though they're threatening me, even though they're coming at me, I'm just going to continue to stand firm and believe in God and continue to preach the word. 
And so in verse 15 of chapter 6, it says, All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen and saw that his face was like the face of an angel. That's some transformation. That's a change. To have your face look like the face of an angel? I don't even know what that looks like. I, you know, is it just like this bright light? Is it, is it, did he have some wings coming out of his head? I, you know, I don't, I don't know. But everyone knew that that looks like the face of an angel. And for some reason, they continued to come after this guy. I, you know, I just like, if I saw a guy walking around with the face of an angel, I'd probably be like, all right, I'll just leave that dude alone. You know, he, he's got it. He's got it. I don't need to, I don't need to get in his way. And Stephen, and so they try and press Stephen. You know, it's like, are, 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 you know, they're trying to prove, like, are these blasphemous charges that people are against you or bringing up are true? Do, you know, are, do you believe, you know, do you believe that Jesus was the Messiah? And the dude, and Stephen just goes on a rant. He just preaches the word. He's, he's, he leans in to the danger because it's like, no, God's name is on the line here. I need to stand in the gap because he was transformed. He, he, he was not, his life was not his own. He wanted, he wanted to show, reflect God's glory to other people. And he wanted, he was focused and he wanted a spark. He wanted to light something on fire. And boy, did he ever light these people on fire because he just continues to go through the Old Testament, shows the life of Moses, shows how God's will was, was working in the time of Moses. And he, all, and he brought, and he brings it all the way back to Jesus. And he, and, <laughs> and he preaches from these scriptures, you know, in, uh, in Deuteronomy and Exodus and even Amos. And, and we get down to verse 51. And so Stephen, after, after Stephen has preached this whole message, he looks into the faces of the Sanhedrin and he says, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through the angels, but have not obeyed it. He gets straight up in their faces. He could have easily just been like, but who's going to take care of the widows? I should probably take a step back. I should probably, you know, take care of my job because that's the task Jesus has given to me. No, he said, no, I've got God's glory on the line here. Yeah, I've got people rejecting the Holy Spirit. I've got, I've got a job that I need to do right now, and it might, take my, it might take my life from me. But I saw Jesus do this, or I heard about Jesus doing this, and so that's what I need to do right now. And they stoned him. They got so angry at him and so mad at him that they, they, they wanted to stone him. And in verse 55, it said, But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right of hand of God. That's exactly what 2 Corinthians is talking about. Do you see that? He looks up into heaven. He sees God and Jesus, and he's just like, I've got to reflect that to you. I've got, it's shining down on me. I've got to show you that myself. Because when we have the Holy Spirit, that is our purpose. 
you know, yes, there are some, those, there, there's some tasks that we've got to accomplish, like being a family group leader or leading a Bible talk or coming to church on Sunday, and all of those little things hold us together as the body of Christ. But every single one of you who has the Holy Spirit, who has, who has been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, has the task of reflecting God's glory to other people in every area of your life. And there's no restrictions on that. There's absolutely no restrictions on that. There was no restrictions for Stephen. He said, I'm still going to march into the Sanhedrin and stand up for God's glory. You know, there was no restrictions for Paul. He's like, I'm, I, I just, I was, I killed, I approved of Stephen's death, but now I'm going to approve of their movement because they convinced me Jesus blinded me on the road to Damascus and he was eventually beheaded for it. You know, there's, there's no restrictions on Thomas, who was like, I'm super doubtful. I don't know if Jesus is this guy who rose from the dead. I need to touch his side and put his hands in, and put my hands in, his, in the holes of his hands. You know, I, I have these doubts. But once he was transformed, dude went all the way to India to preach the word of God. You know, he had a, t- he had a mission. He had a focus. And he was going after it. They eventually killed him with a bunch of spears. These guys, these guys, once they were transformed, left nothing on the table or everything was on the table. I don't know the phrase, but they went all out. They were 100% focused on God and everyone saw it. You know, that's why these stories are written down. You know, Stephen, because of making this decision, led to Paul, which led to the Bible being written, which led to you sitting here today listening to the word and getting inspired by it. You know, you being, whenever it was, when you heard the word for the first time and it became real, whenever you decided to make Jesus the Lord of your life and to get baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ. I mean, whenever that was, you heard it, it and it started here. It started with Jesus all the way. That's what Stephen was doing. He was like, started at Moses and it, and it continued to go on and it continued to go on and it started now it's starting with Jesus and it's continuing with me because that's what the Holy Spirit does. It allows us to continue to reflect the glory of God to other people. And we can get so caught up by the wrong things that not that don't focus us. Oh, there's this guilt that I have that I'm not that I'm, you know, that I'm too sinful to go after this thing. Or I, I, oh, I can't do, I can't lead in that way, or I can't serve in that way. They don't need me. I'm not talented enough. That's garbage. You have the Holy Spirit. You have God living inside of you. And you think, I've got a stutter. I just can't be up here. I had a stutter. I still stutter all the time. <laughs> I, when, when I'm going too fast, I, 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 you know, it just happens. But for some reason, they keep putting me up here. So I'm going to keep reflecting the glory of God to you guys, okay? You know, it's going to keep happening. I, I overcome the fear that I have. And this isn't about me. But I'm just saying, whatever excuse you have, garbage. Whatever reason you have for not going after God with all of your heart, rubbish. I'm not joking because if Stephen was just like, okay, I'm just going to take care of these widows. I just need to, I just need to be focused on the task God has given me. These widows need my help. The Sanhedrin kind of scares me. They're going to kill me. What, what, if he had done that, what, what would have, what would have been the result? Would, would Saul, would Saul had even decided to go to Damascus? 
Would the people have been inspired to continue to do this, continue to spread the word of God? I mean, what would have been the result? And so what do you think the result is of you listening to your fear and, and believing it and saying, no, I, don't, I can't do that? I want you to think about that. Because we're in this room together and we need you. We need you to step up. We need you to find the faith that Stephen had to go up uh, and, you know, and whatever this is for you, you know, for Stephen, it was go straight to the Sanhedrin and call them a bunch of arrogant old fools. What is it for you? What this week, what is, what is it going to be this week for you that says, no, I'm going to live a transformed life? It might be, no, I need to transform my life so that I can get the Holy Spirit so that I, I need to get baptized. I need to repent. I need to become a disciple of God. And if you are a disciple of God, what is it going to be for you? Is it going to be, is it going to be, you know, I'm just going to, every, every time I step into a Starbucks or a grocery store or whatever, I'm just going to talk to the person in line next to me, invite them out to church, share with them the, the story that I have of me becoming a Christian. Am I going to, what is, what is it for you? Because I guarantee you, if it's something that scares you, it's probably, that's probably what you need to do. <laughs> you know, if you, if you feel super good about what, you're, what, what goal you're setting, I don't know, maybe ramp it up a little bit. You know, you know, turn it to 11. I don't know. I want you guys to be inspired by what Stephen is doing, by what the Holy Spirit is, is, uh, is, is, is saying to you. Because the thing that frustrated Stephen when he said, you stiff-necked people, he said, you always resist the Holy Spirit. You know, what was, it in, what was it for Simon the Sorcerer? It's like, you think you can buy the Holy Spirit with money? That's disrespectful. You know, it's, it's resisting the Holy Spirit. It's not reflecting God's glory that we have in our lives. That's the thing that gets these guys frustrated, heated, you know, wanting to say something, wanting to speak up so that people will hear. And so, guys, as we're, as we're thinking about these steps for the plan of salvation and, and whether or not we're convinced that this is the process God wants us to go down to become disciples of him, this, this transformation can't just be at the moment of our baptism. It can't just be, you know, once, once, once and only once. It's got to be continual. You don't have to get baptized 100 times in your life. You don't, I'm not saying that. But you've got to continue to let the Holy Spirit work because we're going to be slowly, deliberately, but focused. We're, we're focused on the end goal, which is becoming like Christ. And so I want that for everyone in this room. I want everyone to be able to experience that here, whether it's today or tomorrow or this week or whenever. I want you guys to be able to experience what it is to be transformed and working for God with all of your heart. Thank you. didn't mess up. Oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> Thank you, David. That was, that was awesome. <clears throat> Just, Just thinking about the need to be transformed. Um, a couple questions just came to mind for me. It's just thinking about Stephen's example. And I think your first question that you had was, uh, what is something that we can get that can get in the way of our focus on God? 
and I th was thinking about it for myself, it's like, I think finances is definitely one that can hit me a, a number of times. You know, uh, my wife helps me to stay focused on God more often than not. Because, because I can, I can get, get caught, caught up in the, the financial aspect of raising kids, trying to make sure that they're well-being, making sure she's well, and then I can lose sight of the real purpose and the real reason why I'm here. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful for your message today because it just takes us back to that. Looking at Stephen's example of just how he gave himself completely. But one of the most important things, I think, is just the thought of being transformed. Transformed means that you're going to see a change. It doesn't mean that you're going to, it's something you just lightly pass by. It's something that's evident that there's been a change in your life. And I think for all of us, we just really need to think through, when did that happen for us? And if it hasn't, when do we want it to? So we can move to that direction. So at this point, we're going to dismiss with a prayer. So if you all join me. Lord God and Father, just want to say thank you for today. Thank, thank you for the many blessings that you give us. We thank you for the examples in your word and just how you want us to be a direct reflection of you to the others around us. How we, if we allow ourselves to be focused on you, we can really have an impact on those around us through, through your spirit. Lord, I pray that as we listen to the lesson today and as we remember and study over it this week, that we can really see how we can hone that focus back on you and to your purpose. Your name I pray, O Lord and Father. Amen. You are dismissed.